a round of applause for that? Thank you, worship team. Thank you. It's going to be tough to go from that to some of the basic ins and outs of running a church, like checking the mail. Uh, advertisement. Uh-oh, postal rate's going up again. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't pay the bills. Scott, you got to stop getting your mail here. Okay, no problem, no problem. We have to come back to that. Uh, magazines, wow. Gotta love the fact we're getting Halloween magazines at church. Woohoo! <laughs> this one looks good. It's addressed to you guys. To the people of First Free Methodist Church. Can I read it? Can I sit? It's not right to read a letter while standing. <sighs> September 23rd, 2012, Sunday. It's today. This letter is from Pastor James, chosen to be sent on your behalf week after week to study the scriptures, listening to what God has to proclaim to us. I am writing, my brothers and sisters in the Lord who choose to worship as part of this body of Jesus Christ in the church that meets on the corner of Ash and Cortland. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the past couple of weeks, every time I have thought of you, I have thanked God for the family of faith that you are. Though we have our quirks, as every family does, we truly are a family. I've seen that lived out recently when a baby was born early and the church gathered around. I've looked into the eyes of members of this family and seen the genuine and authentic care for one another. We are a family. I've seen the care and concern and the epitome of an intercessory prayer from a committed group who daily bring the sick before the throne of God. They bring the confused before the throne of God and they bring those growing in the Lord before the throne of God. I've watched and participated in this group as they commit to praying with and for each other as you would expect from a family. We are a family. I've experienced the family of faith lived out as we have begun the process of walking with our brother in the Lord, Ben Rundle, walking with him to his final place in glory with Jesus. He is sick, and this is not news to any of us. You have gathered around him and Bessie and their family in this process. I've sat in the Rundle living room talking with them, only to have the phone ring several times with people from this body calling to check on them. And in those times of conversation, when it pauses because Bessie is talking to you, I've been thankful to God for you. You realize Ben is sick. The cancer which he has fought and beat in the past seems to be winning this time. Times like these weigh heavy on my soul. God has given me a pastoral heart for him. To walk a journey like this, like we've been walking with Ben, is tremendously humbling, as well as a true honor for me. God has laid the love of a father in my heart for him and for each one of you. That being the case, I feel the need to write you today and remind you all, Ben is not the only one sick. 
I am sick. You are sick. This is a sickness we have talked about many times before. March of 2011, I spoke on it. Four weeks before that, Pastor Ron spoke on it. Pastor Dwight before him. Pastor Michael before him. You've been told you are sick before. But for me, sitting with Ben and Bessie has once again reminded me of how sick we all are. And it has been heavy on my heart. Turns out, God wanted to talk about it again this week. I am sick. You are sick. We are infected with the disease of self. Today is our time for our annual physical to simply check up on our issues. Many of you who were around in 1991 may remember the Charlie Peacock song titled In the Light. If you weren't around then, you may have remembered the remake that the Christian rap group DC Talk did of that same song. And if you don't remember either of those, you just saw it done by our own worship team. The second verse of that song, those artists sang, The disease of self runs through my blood. It's a cancer, fatal to my soul. Every attempt on my behalf has failed to bring this sickness under control. A cancer, fatal to our soul. I write you today because I couldn't help but make the connection between Ben's cancer and the cancer we each have. We cannot get rid of that cancer. No matter how hard we try, we are all infected. And as I studied our scriptures this past week, for a brief moment, I thought Jesus was even infected. The Gospel of Mark, the author tells the story of Jesus predicting his upcoming death. He says, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where he was, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples. At first, my brothers and sisters in Christ, on first glance, it sure looks like there was a hint of selfishness in Jesus. He didn't want anyone to know where he was. I mean, seriously? This is a man who had been healing the masses, feeding the masses, casting out masses of demons. What an asset to the community, and yet here he is simply wanting to be by himself with his friends. Sounds kind of selfish. Of course, when we read on, we realize, and we've been taught many times before, that Jesus wanted this time with his closest friends to best prepare them for what was coming. It was not a selfish heart he had. It was a heart of genuine concern. Much like a father in a family would want to give his own wife and kids a heads up when the possibilities of hard times were coming, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later, he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he want. People of God's church, I want you to understand. I want you to know we are sick. But you are not the first people ever to have this disease of self. Jesus' closest friends had it also. We immediately read on in the same gospel that after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out there on the road? But they didn't answer him. 
because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Talk about a disease of self. They were sitting there arguing about which of them was the greatest. The greatest. I mean, come on, guys. Jesus had just told you that he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice, the most unselfish act anybody could ever make, and you're sitting there arguing about who's the greatest in your club? That's sick. No. Wait. That's sickness of self. People sitting here today listening to this letter, I'm not sure if you've ever noticed before, but every time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus talks about this most unselfish act, he immediately has to follow it up with correction and instruction in confronting selfishness. The first time he talks about this this unselfish act is Mark chapter 8. And this is the time that Peter tries to correct Jesus and he gets scolded for it. After the scolding, Jesus turns to all those around him and he proclaims, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, I'm going to die and then be raised again. Peter says, come on, that's not the way it's going to go. Jesus says, get behind me. And then he says, if you want to follow me, turn from your selfish ways. To follow him, Jesus says, you must fight the disease of self. The author of Mark then gave us the text that we read for today, and Jesus again had to immediately confront selfish motives and attitudes. Who was the greatest, right? The third time Jesus predicted his death, his ultimate act of unselfishness, immediately following James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over to Jesus and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, Jesus asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. It's like they were saying, hey, Jesus, dude, we're totally thinking about ourselves right now. Can, can we like, like sit where everyone will see just how important we are? When the other disciples heard about this, their own cancerous tumors of self flared up. Scripture tells us when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus teaches again about this illness, this sickness of self. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, Today, I write you to tell you that the disciples were not the first ones to be infected with this disease, and they would not be the last ones infected either. In the biblical letter of James, which many believe to be have written 30 years after Jesus died and resurrected, the author describes more symptoms of what we've been talking about. He writes, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not 
God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. The author goes on to say, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you don't want because you don't ask for it, and even if you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. The sickness of self, the disease of self today Listeners to this letter, you must understand that this disease has been tainting humanity since God created us. The disease of self, the cancer fatal to our soul, has been passed on to us, has been transmitted to us, and we won't be the last ones infected either. People of First Church, in my previous communication with you on this subject in March of last year, I gave you a remedy I said quite plainly, to cure the sickness of self, you must die. You must die to self. And I hold to that. But with the journey we are walking as a family of faith with Ben and Bessie, that remedy hits close to home. So instead of saying you must die, I want to prescribe something else. In fact, I want to give you two prescriptions. First, and as many times a day as you possibly can, you need to take full doses of hupatasso. Don't you love how when doctors give you prescriptions, you can never pronounce what they are? Take the full doses of hupatasso. Now, the English translation of this word is to humble or to submit. It means to place oneself under subjection. The author of the book of James says this of our first prescription, James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Hupatasso yourselves before God. Brothers and sisters, we know full well that this is not easy for anyone with the disease of self to do. Why place ourselves under anybody else when we can do it better? And we can do it by ourselves. Listen, listen, that's the disease of self-speaking. Self, by myself, for myself. Take the full doses, as much as you possibly can, of hupatasso. Submit to God. Humble yourselves to God. I plead with you to do this. Secondly, God's church on the corner of Ash and Cortland, I prescribe to you a gizo. Literally, a gizo means to come close. It means to be a presence, an immediate eminence, extreme closeness. This, too, is talked about by our author in the biblical letter of James in 4, verse 8. He says, come close to God. A gizo to God. As I write this letter, I picture a puppy, maybe new to your family, who simply wants to be as close as he possibly can to his new owners. He comes and puts his side upon your leg as you walk. 
He practically lays on top of your feet when you sit down. He is licking your face when you bend over to tie your shoes. This puppy has taken the prescription of egizo. He has drawn close to you. And we are told to do this with God. To do everything we possibly can to be as close to him as often as we can for as long as we can. We are told to draw near to come close to a gizo with God. To battle our sickness of self, we must take the full doses of a gizo. Maybe a puppy was the wrong analogy. Since I'm writing about a disease, maybe I should have you picture a time when your own child or your niece or nephew or grandkid or, or kid you were babysitting came to you not feeling well. They were confused and just not feeling good at all. And what did they do? They curled up in your lap. They got their body as close to you as they possibly could, and they gave themselves to you for care. That's the picture of a gizo and hupatasso combined. This is what our scripture tells us we should do for our disease. Submit and come close. Brothers and sisters of the church of God, when you do this, listen to what God will do. So humble yourselves before God, James, the author of the scriptural letter says, come close to God and God will come close to you. God will draw near. God will come close. God will draw near. As I write this, I, I can't help but think how amazing a thought this is, especially considering how sick we are. Many of you know that I'm a bit of a germaphobe, so when I go into hospitals, I stop by every single hand sanitizing station there is on the way to visit the person I'm visiting, and I squeeze a little thing and I lather up every single time. My hands are often not even dry before I reach the next one. My wife is nodding in agreement. He does that. And then on the way back out after the visit, same thing. Every single one, I, I value the little note that says, these things have helped doctors keep soft hands all the time. I take James chapter 4, verse 8, the second half of it, literally when he writes, wash your hands. I guess you could say, I try and stay as far away as I can from sickness. But, even with our disease of self, this fatal cancer to our soul, when we draw near to God, he draws near right back. He comes as close as he possibly can. And God's closeness can give us hope. God's closeness can give us peace. God's closeness will remind us that we do not fight this soul cancer by ourselves. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when Bessie sits down next to Ben, each in their own chosen chair in their living room, she is drawing near to him. Ben knows he has her close by. And he knows he has the presence of Christ with him also. He has taken his egizo. He has swallowed his hupatasso. 
And even though he has a physical cancer that ultimately will cause his breath to cease, he knows the cancer of his soul, this disease of self, will not beat him. He has found his cure in Jesus Christ, and he can say with the great hymn writer, it is well with my soul. Both now and whenever God chooses to take him home. I write you today so that you can hear me say, I thank God for Ben. I thank God I have someone in my family of faith that I can walk this journey with. And I thank God that I have you. Oh, followers of Jesus Christ who meet to worship our Lord and Savior at the corner of Ash and Cortland, you are part of my family. Yes, we are sick, but we are sick together. Greet each other in the name of our Lord. Give special greetings to the Rundles and to all those who have been close to them for the 60 plus years they have been in this family of faith. We all walk this journey together. We are a family. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Signed in the love of Christ, Pastor James. Let's pray. God, what a true blessing it is to have a family of faith that we can gather to worship you together with, that we can do life together with. Thank you we have this family where we can laugh together and where we can cry together. Thank you that we can celebrate and that we can grieve. Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us to fight this battle of self, this disease of self, this cancer that is fatal to our soul. God, we confess to you that at times we take for granted this family of faith. Frankly, we confess to you, Lord, that we take you for granted and we ask for your forgiveness. We ask, Lord, that you would work on healing us. We ask that you would allow us to teach the next generations about this sickness and battle with them. God, we are a family that is brought together by a heavenly Father who loves us dearly. We are grateful for that. body I'd like us to stand and we're going to pray corporately if we can have that slide up the worship team will keep praying in the background you guys stand with me and let's pray corporately together our savior help us we are a diseased people infected with the sickness of self we are slow to learn prone to forget and weak to climb. We are in the foothills 